most people, when they look at their time in the military, they look at it as a chapter in a book, right? It's like, yeah. Like, don't look at it as a chapter in a book. Your time in the military, your time in the army <clears throat> is a book unto itself. Now that book is done. Close that book. Put it away. Don't start a new chapter. Start a whole new fucking book. Only go back to the book that is your military service once in a while to fondly reminisce. But don't live in that book. Don't dwell in that book. He's like, the people who get out of the military and succeed in life are the ones who can put that book down and only pick it up once in a while to open it up and reminisce and then put it back down. If you stay stuck in that book, I promise you, you will fail. Welcome, everybody, again to Retire.Army, where we talk about all things retirement and transition out of the military. Today, I'm sitting with Brandon Alborg, who served 16 total active years of service, and he is currently a freight conductor for CSX. He was a 13 Bravo and a staff sergeant when he got out of the military, originally from Independence, Kentucky. Welcome, Brandon. Welcome to the show. All right. Thanks for having me. So I got to ask, and I usually start on a weird kind of point, but being out from the military, how long have you been out now? So I got out uh, March 13th of 2022. And that was my, that was one week after my 16 year um, anniversary of joining the military. So I've been out just over a year now. So let me ask how your, if you have a morning routine, uh, what your morning routine looks like now compared to when you were on active duty, if there are any differences, anything better, anything worse? So uh, morning routine now, um, it kind of varies day to day, kind of, um, there's no, like every day is going to be the same way. Cause, uh, so with my job now with CSX being a conductor, I'm, uh, I'm on call. Um, and I, they could call me anytime day or night. I'm on a two hour call. So if they call me at eight o'clock, I report for work at 10 and then I can work up to 12 hours so I can go 10 to 10 or, you know, what have you, um, on days where I'm not getting called and I'm just on the extra board at some whatever order in the, uh, in the call, in the calling, um, I'll usually get up around, excuse me, sorry. I'll usually get up around six thirty seven, depending. Um, my dogs are always really quick to let me know that they're ready to go out. Um, get up immediately, let them out, go do their business feed and water them, um, and then make some coffee. And if I'm not guaranteed to have to work that day, I'm seeing what all I need to do around the house, whether it's mow the lawn or take our recycling to the recycling center because we don't have recycling services that come to the house. So we do our cardboard and our plastic and all that stuff and load it in the back of my truck and take it once a week. Um, any kind of updates to the house that we've been doing because we've been we actually just finished the room that I'm in. We just finished renovating it uh, about a month ago, my father-in-law and I, and it's been about a year project of updating this room, the hallways, the downstairs bathroom, and my son's room, uh, which is actually next to this room. Um, updating it, replacing, knocking out walls, putting walls back up. Uh, priming, ceiling, painting, new floors, 
uh, tearing out the fireplace hearth behind me, which is about to be, so I guess we're not done yet because I still have to replace the hearth. Um, but we got the tile for it finally. It's marble tile finally came in. So that'll be the next step. But so, I mean, there's no real long roundabout answer, sorry. There's no real true schedule or routine. It's just kind of go go with the flow as the day presents unless I get called or unless I'm first out on the board to be called and say, okay, I know I'm going to get called today at some point, guaranteed. Now I'm going to make sure I've got all my stuff right for work, whether it be my radio, uh, headlamp, spare flashlight, batteries, um, reflective vest, snacks, all that good stuff, you know, all the paperwork booklets that we're, that we're required to have on us. My work tablet has to be charged, has to be 100% when I show up for work. Um, gloves, glasses, the whole shebang. So it's just make sure I got all that set. I'm going to get called at some point, any point today. And I'm going to be on that two-hour call and I could go to my my train yard here in town or I could go to Greenwood or I could go to Greenville or they might even call me to go down unlikely, but they might call me to go down to Columbia or, you know, even potentially, you know, like go to Augusta or something like that and bring a train back here or where have you like just for prime example, I got called on Thursday last week, this past Thursday, excuse me. Uh, I got called at 11 or 9 a.m for an 11 a.m. report to take a 110-car coal train weighing 15,807 tons, over 6,000 feet long, from Spartanburg to Columbia, South Carolina. And that's, you know, it's about an eight-hour run. And then we got there, tied down the train, and then got in a taxi, and then taxi brought us back up to the yard, got in the truck, and came home. <laughs> so it varies. It varies day to day. It's... There's no real guarantee like of any day is going to be um, any day is going to be the same as it was yesterday. You know, I I could get called to go on some long run. I can get called to do some local work, you know, in servicing customers in our local area. Or I could just be sitting waiting for the phone to ring for the next day or taking care of stuff here at the house and the kids and all that good stuff. But comparatively speaking, I find it so much more freeing than, oh crap, I have to get up today. I have to get up and go, you know, 5.30 in the morning to get ready for 6.30, you know, or for 6 a.m., excuse me, 6 a.m. report for a 6.30 formation to go and do PT or, you know, get ready for the field or what have you. And, you know, I, I, I don't miss having to go on eight-mile runs. <laughs> I don't miss... Uh, doing push-ups, pull-ups, and sit-ups, and all that other, you know, and, you know, burpees and everything else under the sun, you know, for, for an hour and a half, two hours each morning, Monday through Friday. And, uh, you know, if I'm not getting called to work, I very much enjoy being able to just, you know, look out my back window, be on my back patio, and enjoy a cup of coffee without having to worry about, like, oh, man, I have an hour to get back, you know, and find a parking space at the, at the motor pool or whatever. <laughs> no that makes perfect sense yeah and that's that's kind of what i was alluding to is like what's the uh what's the big like contrast and it sounds like there's a huge contrast sorry for the very long-winded answer no that's what i'm here for is long-winded answers and long-winded questions that's our motto here um, can you take me back to 
the time when you first joined? Like, where were you at physically, uh, emotionally, mentally, um, your age? I guess we could do the math if we wanted to, but just, just can you walk me through that? That's the process of joining the military and what was on your mind at the time when you did? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I joined when I was 19 years old back in 06. Um, uh, let's see here. Um, at the time that I went to my uh, my local recruiter's office, uh, I was a high school dropout. I hadn't yet completed my GED. And I knew that, you know, I was working, working a lot. I was working very regularly, very steadily. Uh, I had a, you know, I've had a job ever since I was 15 years old. My first, you know, first job being at McDonald's, then at Kroger's, uh, Kroger's grocery store, for those who don't know what a Kroger's is, <laughs> thanks Food Lion or Fred Meyer or something to that effect. Um, and then I worked at a country club and then I worked at an auto glass factory and I was just like, I'm just doing, I'm just going to keep doing these same kind of dead end, going nowhere, never going to really do anything with my life kind of stuff. You know, yeah, I, I can make decent money at this factory. I can make okay-ish money at this country club, but the people there suck because they're all snotty and entitled and that kind of stuff. And I, I don't mean to say that of everybody, but that at that particular one, they were. And that's why I quit because I got into it with a customer. But anyway, um, so at the time I went to my recruiter's office and I actually had a uh, civilian recruiter, which I didn't even know was a thing. I had no idea it existed. And, you know, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm not in the military anymore. You know, I'm DA civilian, but I'm still, you know, I, I was E7 when I got out. And, and he was able to be that guy to tell me, is like, look, you have this illusion. You have this idea of what the military is without being, without ever stepping foot into it. And I can tell you after, you know, 20, I think he said like 23, 24 years in the army that, you know, whatever you're thinking is going to be completely wrong. And I can tell you this honestly, because I'm not worried about making some quota or getting chewed out by, you know, the Sergeant major over there, you know, <laughs> I was like, well, shit, you know, at least he's honest. Um, he's like, you know, but you know, it, it can be, it can be something a whole lot more than what you have your sights set on. It's going to be a lot harder than you think it's going to be to get there. And if you really want to do this, by all means, we can do this. But, you know, obviously, first step is going to have to be completing your GED. So he actually, on the day, because with Kentucky, they wouldn't let you at the time. I don't know if they still do it now. They wouldn't let you just take your GED test. They made you do classes for two months prior to in order to, in order for them to determine that you were ready to take your GED. I'm like, oh, 19, almost 20 years old. Can I just take it? No. So he took me there to the classes. They were in Newport, Kentucky. No, uh, yeah, Newport, Kentucky, which is right across the river from Cincinnati, Ohio. He took me there every single day that I had classes. And he brought me back home every single day that I had classes uh, from classes. And then he took me to the testing facility for my GED, which was in an entirely different county. Uh, at the, at the, the county library for uh, Gallatin County, Kentucky, and then brought me back from that. And then when they finally posted my uh, my scores, like you know, he had to have the transcripts and all that stuff, they sent me the email saying, hey, you passed your GED, congratulations, but he didn't have the paperwork. So he drove from Florence, Kentucky, where the office was at, uh, down to Lexington, 
to the education office to get my paperwork and then come back up with it to finish processing me because I said I wanted to go. I was like, come on, can we please just do this? I want to go already. And so, I mean, like he went above and beyond. I mean, I know it's that things like, well, of course they're going to get you in your, your, your number, your person, but like other prospects all over, he didn't have to jump through all those hoops for these guys. Um, but I was adamant about going, I was adamant about joining. I would have joined way sooner, probably if it weren't for the GD aspect of it. I, uh, I kind of always knew growing up, I was going to join the military uh, come from a military family and father, uncles, both grandfathers, great grandfathers, and you know, on and on and on and on and on. So I kind of always figured out where I was going to go. Um, and there was a time where I kind of like, you know, I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that shit. I'm going to do something else. Uh, you know, I, I, I can, you know, I can go be this, I can go be that. And then I was like, oh, probably not because I'm a hands-on learner and I don't pay attention in classroom and, set, and settings and environments for shit. <laughs> So, you know, and, and obviously look where I'm at now, I'm a high school dropout because I hated school and couldn't stand to, you know, couldn't stand to hear people just drone on and talk at me for eight hours a day. So, um, physically, um, you know, I was, I was six foot one, about 145 pounds sticking bones. Um, and, you know, I played sports all growing up, nothing like nothing. I didn't play football or nothing like that. I played baseball, played soccer. So I was athletic. I could run. I could pull my own weight, but I, you know, still wasn't ready for the rigors of what the Army was going to bring, even that, no matter how much I thought I was. Um, but I knew when I joined, I was physically ready enough to at least have a baseline to build from. You know what I mean? And that I wanted to do when I first, when I first started doing lists and I went through the maps and all that or the first time I went to maps, um, I wanted to join as an MP because you know, that deluded kid of thinking, well, I can do a couple years as a, as an MP, get out and then go to police Academy. And then it'll be, you know, like doors wide open because, you know, police force, to police force, not knowing that it has nothing in common with, you know, modern policing and, you know, city environments and not military. Um, downside is the only ticket I've ever had in my entire life was within a year of joining the military. Only ticket I've ever had in my entire life was when I was 18. I had a hole in my catalytic converter on my 1988 POS <laughs> and I got a, a noise obstruction ticket for my car on the interstate of all places. How that works, I don't know. It was, it was it was broad daylight on the interstate. wasn't at night. wasn't in a residential neighborhood, but whatever. Um, and so I couldn't join to be an MP. Um, so the guy at Maps, he's like, you know, well, I've got a really cool video to show you if you'd like to check it out. And maybe you know, you know, like you know, obviously he was a he was a thirteen bang bang himself. Had to have been. And uh, I was like, yeah, sure, you know. And, Put, puts the video on and it's POD playing in the background, just howitzers firing and throwing howitzers out of the back of helicopters and paratroopers and air assault missions. And I was just like, yo, I want to do that. That's so cool. I was like, and so I told him that, you know, got it all going. And he's just like, all right. Uh, so this will be in your contract. I said, wait, I want airborne in my contract. I was like, I don't, it was, I didn't know jack about it. I just, it, it just looked cool. And I was, you know, back in the, back in those days, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, 
I wanted to do anything that would throw my hair back. And well, as you can tell, it's been thrown back. It's been, you know, it's been thrown back. So, uh, he's like, he's like, you know, he's like, you want airborne? I was like, I want it in my contract. If that can be, if that can be done. I was told that certain things can be added. He's like, yeah, it can be. You sure you want it? I was like, I absolutely want it. If it's not in my contract, I'm going to walk out of the building right now. He's like, all right. It has me read, has me review it and read through it and all that stuff. And then, you know, everything else that happens at maps, all the duck walks and things like that. Fun times. Um, but yeah, I was, I was amped. I was ready to go, uh, you know, small town, Kentucky, far from the first and only person in my town to go and join. Um, my sister actually dated a dude. She's two years older than I am. She dated a dude for a little while. Um, can't remember his name. I feel bad for this, but I can't remember his name, but he was a Marine and he joined right after high school and he went over to went over to Iraq and he got his left, his left leg blown off below the knee. Um, and I was just like, Oh crap, you know? So, I mean, I, I knew there were dangers. I knew there was risk people that I personally knew that, you know, were, were going and had been over and gotten hurt. But I was just like, you know, it's it, it, yeah, that that young, idealistic, patriotic, like, you know, gung ho mindset of like, got to do it, got to go, got to go, got to go. And I'm not going to be some desk flying admin, paper pusher, whatever. Like if I'm going, I'm young, I'm physically able and I not I, I, to my mind, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm an adrenaline junkie and I love it. What do I got to do to get to that point where I can, you know, be that guy that's on the ground, you know, doing whatever it is that needed to be done. So that was basically my, my general mindset. It's like, can I not, 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 um, not eager to go because of like, you know, bloodthirsty or, you know, depraved or anything like that eager to go because I had nothing. And I do mean nothing there for me in Kentucky, besides my family who I still I'm in great contact with them. I love them all and they're awesome and they're super supportive, but I had nothing going for me in that area that was going to benefit me or gave me a reason to not go like, okay, well, the military is my next best option. I think it's more, I mean, I feel like it. I don't have any scientific evidence to back this up, but I feel like more of the Midwest, like Kentucky, I grew up in Illinois and Missouri around St. Louis. Um, but like Illinois, Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio. It's like the it's like the perfect triangle, that area, that whole area of all of those states. It's like a perfect intersection of like the most people to join the military. That's the way I feel about it too. It's just there's because there's a lot more hometown, like small America. Uh you go through some of the places in, in any of those states and you'll see cities and towns where you drive through and you're like this town has been forgotten in the past like it's literally main street usa downtown they've got like one barber shop one little small grocery store like it's crazy when you see it it's 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 and and where it's not even those particular towns if you're not from that particular town itself you're from two or three towns over where there's it's a bigger town and you know and it's not dead and it's not gone but you're either going to be doing, you know, it's like it's, uh, you, you, you get good at sports to get out or you get good at academics to get out. Otherwise, you're going to be working on the farm or you're going to be working over at the plant or working over at the mill or working over here. And you're trapped there and you're never, ever, 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 ever going to leave. You're never going to do anything else. Now, 
not trying to disparage on those type of people that are stay there, you know, but for some people, that's just not enough. And I'm one of those people where that wouldn't have been enough for me. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting paradox of choice for sure. That's I, I have a very similar story, you know, growing up in around St. Louis and in and around that area, and it it came to that spearhead in my life where I was like, I'm this is a path to nowhere, <laughs> and I need to get on a path to somewhere. And that was my because two years prior to that, like when I was still in high school, you couldn't tell me I was going to join the military and do service and spend, you know, a whole career in the military. Like there was no way you were going to tell me anything like that. Like that was totally out of the, the question. Not even in your purview in the slightest. Yeah. And then, it, and then, and then it ends up being the thing that you do and you're like, holy crap, this is my calling or, you know, what, whatever the situation may be. And you stick with it for, like you said, 25, right? I mean, that's no small thing. <laughs> 26 years old 26 years of your life that's a lot that's a that is nothing short of like real commitment so that's awesome i mean the same you, you did 16 and and i think we're going to go ahead and get into that a little bit but um i want to ask you uh when you got to that that point where you were ready to get out what was again what were the decisions what was kind of like the the self-talk that was going on in your mind when you did when you did that I did not want to get out. I got medically retired. Um, downside of, you know, being, uh, being a paratrooper downside of, you know, being, being combat arms and, you know, go, go, go and three deployments and all that stuff. I've dislocated my right shoulder, uh, about 28 times while I was in and I tore my labrum and I tore my, uh, my long bicep tendon numerous times. Um, and then in 2019, um, I was actually doing, I was stationed in Grafenbeer, Germany, and we were doing combatives PT that morning and, uh, myself and we were, it was like circle up, you know, one, two, one, two, one, two, one will rotate, twos will stay, uh, stay stagnant after, uh, uh, after a minute you'll go and move twos will move to the next or ones will rotate to the next person and so on and so on and so on. And so, um, at the time I was a, uh, howitzer section chief on a M one one nine alpha three howitzer. And it was, you know, my section, me and my six guys, uh, fifth section, sixth section, the FDC, uh, smoke, well, it's platoon sergeant, gunny assistant platoon sergeant and our PL. And so there's, you know, crap load of us. And so the first person I was rolling with that morning for combatives was actually my ammunition team chief, uh, Sergeant Anglin. Great dude. Uh, wish I had 30 of them. <laughs> um, he and I were rolling first. No big deal. Everything was cool. A uh, minute goes by. And then um, I wrote, no, I, I was stagnant and then rotated over and my PL and I are rolling. And he's a bigger dude than I am, like noticeably bigger dude. And, you know, a little bit, you know, taller, a little bit beefier. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to overpower this dude. The only chance I have to not get put in some submission is to, you know, try to just immediately go into my guard you know, and then try to work from there. But so I went into my guard and I'm on my back and my arms are up like this to try to keep him from getting a collar choke. Well, he's a bigger guy and he's stronger. So he 
kind of like maneuvers his arm over this way on the either side of both of my arms. And then he sweeps my arms over. So left arm goes out like this, right arm comes like this. And then his body weight comes down on it and then pops it out of socket right there. I'm like, no, Hey sir, we're done. It's out. He's like, what's out of like my shoulder. He's like, Oh shit. Oh my God. Are you okay? It's like it's happened before. It just fucking hurts. So, you know, after 28 times or 27 at, at that point, after 27 times of it popping out, I just, you know, kind of grip and twist and, you know, throw it back up in there. I'm like, I need to sit out. I'm done. He's like, no worries. You're good. Now, the kicker for that situation was normally after popping my shoulder out and then putting it back in, give it 45 minutes to an hour and it's a little sore. But, you know, I got I got range of motion back and everything was fine. Hour, two, three hours goes by and I'm just like, I still can't raise my arm. Something ain't right. And, it's, it, it, and this doesn't just like, it's not just like a, it's, it's, it's their sore. It's like, this hurts really bad. So uh, I got taken to the, uh, I got taken to the, um, the clinic on post and they couldn't see anything. But my, my PA knew me really well. And he's like, well. Alborg ain't coming in here just for, you know, a little gripe or, you know, bitch, piss and moan kind of thing. Like he's, he's getting, he's coming in here because there's an issue. So he actually uh, put in a uh, request to have me get an MRI at the German hospital in uh, Weiden. And so I went down there to the radiology department a day or two later when the whole, when the TRICARE stuff all processed and got my MRI done. They're like, you tore your labrum. And so they scheduled me for a uh, uh, endoscopic, minimally invasive orthopedic surgery on my shoulder to repair the labrum and clear out scar tissue and debris of uh, cartilage that had flecked off and stuff like that. And then um, the recovery time and everything was going good. Um, but during the recovery and the physical therapy, I continued to tear my bicep tendon again and you know, kept tearing it more and more and more. And so I got sent in for another MRI once I was at physical therapy one day and I was doing the, uh, the little itty bitty medicine balls, you know, they're like five pounds and they had my arm like this and a trampoline on an ang that angle trampoline. And it's, you know, throw the ball at the thing and then catch it and flex back, you know, to try to, you know, get that going and I'd do that once or twice. And I'm just like, Nope, like it was done. Went and got another MRI and they're like, uh, you need to have your bicep tendon removed. Um, so uh, bicep, the long bicep tendon runs from about here down to your forearm and they cut out from here to here and then anchored it. And then, uh, after those two surgeries, I got, uh, sent for evaluation. Um, uh, was it medical, medical retention point evaluation? Um, and, uh, Landstuhl, the you know the you know Ramstein area, the big huge Air Force medic you know hospital, and they're like you know based on all of this and this that and the other and so on and so on and so on. It's like you know we're we're recommending that you become medical you know that you go through a med you know med process. I'm just like like legit no joke. So. I'm in that appointment and the doctor tells me everything he's telling me. He's like, you know, I'm just like, I don't, I was like, I, I don't know if I can do this. You know, it's like, you know, I, I've done 16 years, you know, he's like, you've done enough. And, and I'm just like, Oh, stop saying that. 
don't don't do that stop 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 something's something's going on here and he's like it's okay to be emotional like he's like but you 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 need to understand that with your age with your injuries you've had and the MOS you're in and this that and the other all you know all of these things that apply like your chances of continuing to serve in the military like he's like he's like you know it's been so many months since you've had your last surgery and I, at that point, I was on permanent profile or not permanent, but I was on profile for like almost two consecutive years. Um, he's like, could you even do 25 pushups right now? I'm like, I couldn't do five. He's like, there's my point. I was just like, uh. And so like we got done with all the talks and whatnot. And, you know, he, he got me kind of sort of like, you know, understanding, you know, what, what his perspective and his point of view of it was. And I was like, okay. All right, fine. If that's if that's where we're going to go, and he's like, you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to separate you from a meb, but you know, we have to do the meb to you know determine what that where that's going to go. Um, and so I walked out of the hospital, and the entire time, so I got my hat on. You know, I was in civvies at the time because it's you know four hour drive from Grafenbeer, Germany to to Longstuhl. And uh, I'm walking out of the hospital, and I'm you know mask on because it was still COVID stuffs, uh, and um, I'm just, you know, hood, hands in my hoodie and I'm just, you know, following the following the green line out the hospital because I couldn't I, if I looked anybody in the eye like it would have been it would have been over for me. And so I get out of the hospital, I get to the parking area where my rental car was at. And uh, I call up my wife, who at the time was still over here in the States. Um, and so I call her up and. I fucking break down, dude. Like I broke the absolute hell down. Like my career's over. I'm done. And I'm falling my eyes out and just, I, 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 I probably chain smoked. I don't know, five cigarettes before I got in the car and finally drove back. I'm just, and it's just devastated. Like I didn't want, I, you know, and I, I remember specifically when I got back to base that day, and I saw my sergeant major. My sergeant major and I had a wonderful relationship. To this day, still have a wonderful relationship with us, uh, Sergeant Major Smith. Um, and that's not an alias. That is his actual name, Smith. <laughs> um, I saw him and I told him, he's like, are you okay? I was like, I didn't do 16 years to not do 20. Like, I had, you know, I had my plan. I had everything I was going to do. Like, this can't be it. He's like but it is. How's that? How do you feel about that? I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> what am I going to do? I, you know, I was ready for four more years. I was ready to go back stateside at the end of this year on my PCS and go be a freaking AIT instructor, go teach, go teach, you know, dumbasses how to artillery. <laughs> you know, I was like, what do I do? What am I going to do? Like, this is not, this is not how it's supposed to go. He's like, like, can I give you a piece of advice? He's like, yes, please. Absolutely, Sergeant Major. What? He's like, look at it like this. Or, 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 you know, you don't have to, but he's like, you know, most people, when they look at their time in the military, they look at it as a chapter in a book, right? He's like, yeah. He's like, don't look at it as a chapter in a book. Your time in the military, your time in the Army <clears throat> is a book unto itself. Now that book is done. Close that book. Put it away. Don't start a new chapter. Start a whole new fucking book. 
and fill it with all the things that you're going to do and you're going to accomplish and all the and all the availability that you have to spend, be with your kids and your wife and you know this that and the other and only go back to the book that is your military service once in a while to fondly reminisce but don't live in that book don't dwell in that book he's like the people who get out of the military and succeed in life are the ones who can put that book down and only pick it up once in a while to open it up and reminisce and then put it back down if you stay stuck in that book i promise you you will fail he's like he's like this is the end of this story and that's okay start a new story i'm like oh okay I'm gonna make this story my bitch. You know, I was like, you know, I did that, that newfound resolve of like, man, this guy is so fucking wise. <laughs> but I was, so again, roundabout way of getting to it all. Adamantly, adamantly not ready, not wanting to, scared as shit about what life was gonna be going from 16 years of artillery, which has next to no civilian practical applications you know and 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 then you know being 35 36 years old at the time um you know ending one career gotta start another uh you know what's my disability rating going to be is that going to preclude me from getting certain types of jobs and what am i going to do for a job in the first place i have no idea um i was scared shitless man i was not ready for it and i was not not happy about the situation that I was forced into. You know, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm happy to be home. I, I was happy. I was happy about the prospect of being able to be home and be with my family and, you know, see my friends more often and all that stuff that, that part of it aces, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Um, but I was so, so devastated at first with the prospect of, I don't know shit about how to civilian anymore. And I have no, I have no real skills beyond, you know, pull string, go boom. <laughs> you know, what the hell am I going to do? Um, but I came to terms with it, you know, and I, and I, 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 uh, I kind of steeled my resolve a little bit, to, like, well, you know what you don't know, but that's never stopped you from figuring shit out. Like I didn't know how to artillery at one point, but somebody helped me figure it out. I didn't know how to airborne at one point, but somebody helped me figure it out. And, you know, I didn't know how to father at one point, but I figured it out, you know, and, and on and on and on and on and on. And it's just applying yourself to that, to that goal of provide and ensure that my family is taken care of. That's always been, since, you know, I, man, my son was born when I was 23 years old. I got married to my first wife at 21. Um, and from that point on, it was always family is paramount. You know, I have to take care of mine. Like, you know, I got, I, I, I'm a husband. Oh, my son is born. I'm a father. I, my life is now not, not in consequence or, you know, or, or, or inconsequential, should I say, but like my life is for my purpose in life is to provide him with a good life. You know what I mean? That, you know, have all the stuff that I never had when I was a kid, the opportunities that I never had and like, you know, show him a better way than what I had and whatnot. And, and so I, I busted my ass and I always, I always have always will to make sure that, you know, my family is taken care of. So I, I just steeled my resolve to 
stop bitching, stop worrying, stop wondering. And once you get back in America, hit the ground fucking running with building your resume. And I did. My sister-in-law helped me build my resume and it was nice. <laughs> uh, Cause you know, she's a professional who does that kind of stuff. And, 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 you know, start sending out your resume and start applying for jobs. And then it just so happens that my two of my uncles, they're twins up in Cincinnati, uh, work for CSX and they have so for about 16 years now. One of them is a freight conductor as well. And the other one is a mechanic. And they're like, have you considered joining the railroad? I'm just like, I actually hadn't. And I applied for it. And after a month and a half of interviews and drug testing and this, that, and the other, and interviews and interviews and interviews and paperwork out the Yang and my CPAP stuff, they, uh, they gave me the job. They offered me the job and I went to Atlanta. I did the training I came back and did on the ground on the job training. And now next month, no, sorry. At the end of this month, I'm going back to Atlanta to be, tra- to go training, to be an engineer, to actually drive the train. And I'm just like, I've been doing this job for over a year and none of this would be happening if I didn't get out of my own head, if I didn't get out of my own way and just shut up and do it. You know what I mean? Like that, 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 that fear, that anxiety that I have of what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Well, shut up and do it. You know, and, and that was my whole mindset for those months and months and months leading up of, you know, that, that, that uncertainty, the early, earlier than planned by a lot, you know, uh, end to this story and starting of a new one and that kind of stuff. And I was just, it took me a minute to really stop. And fortunately I, I stopped bitching and worrying about it before I got back. And as soon as I got back to the States, I had, um, 60 days of terminal leave and 30 days of permissive TDY. I had 90 days of boots on the ground for lack of a better term before I was even out of the army that I did all of my stuffs. And I got hired on by CSX before I was even completely out of the army. And, and that was, and that's all accredited to having the right people in my life being like, you can't sit there and just stay stagnant, waiting to see what comes. You got to go and get it. You can't worry about the what ifs and the hows and the whys and the whens and the wheres. Go and fucking get it. And, you know, that, and, fi- and, and fortunately, you know, hearing them and believing them far enough in advance where I was like, okay, this is what I got to do. You know, I've got enough buddies who are out and who have been out long enough to tell me, you know, don't hesitate. Don't wait. Don't sit around. Don't wonder. Fucking do. You know, if you do any of that other stuff, you are going to regret it monumentally. You get the ground running and you do it. You might luck out into something you never know, or at the very least, find something temporary until that good thing comes along. Then, if you're waiting at some job that pays decently for the job that pays great and has benefits and all the other stuff. That's one thing. But if you're just sitting around twiddling your thumbs, wonder if I'm going to get an email today about somebody offering me a job. No, you don't get the fuck out there and look. I appreciate you sharing that story with me. It's a really um, close held thing. And I, and I really, really appreciate you telling me all of that. I wanted to ask if there was any practical 
tools or tricks that you might have gathered over that few months of, of waiting that, that kind of holding pattern that maybe you leveraged or leaned on whether it was like a book or like a, a favorite album or if there was any kind of like thing that you realize in that time frame and that holding pattern that kind of carried you through i know you said your friends and your family were really pivotal in that in that experience but was there anything else because you don't talk to them 24 hours a day, right? You, you still have dwell time and downtime and quiet time. How did you get through that? I didn't really read any kind of like self-empowerment or um, um, resiliency kind of books or anything like that. I mean, I, I knew all of that stuff because I've, you know, I've done the master resiliency trainer, that kind of stuff. And, you know, I knew, you know, avoiding icebergs, you know, we all know. <laughs> um, no, uh, really it was, you know, taking what I, I get from the people who are giving me like real solid advice and really, really, really committed to, um, my success, you know, whether it be, uh, family, close friends, coworkers, you know, seniors, peer subordinates, you know, all up and down, you know, I've taken, you know, a little bit from each of them, like, Hey, you got, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the pep talks, you know, you got this, you can do this. Um, really, honestly, a lot of it is, in part, I'm extremely stubborn. Um, and so like, I, I, I refuse to be in my mind, I refuse to be a burden on somebody else. Um, I know that's, I know that people wouldn't, you know, would say like, you know, helping out is not being, is not you being a burden, but you know, it, it all up here. Um, but I, I did, um, I did go to therapy a couple of times and, you know, therapists kind of helped put it in perspective, you know, kind of echoed what was already being told to me by the people in my life that were close, you know, just in a more, you know, educated manner in some regards. <laughs> um, and, and it was um, a realization that and it took my wife pointed out to me too. Here's the kicker that I was letting when I, when, when I was not quite hit that resolve yet. Right. Or when I was still far away from it, even still that holding pattern, like you were saying, um, I got really low for a little while there and my drinking and all of that stuff, um, increased and, uh, the type of music I was listening to, Cause I was just, I was down. I was depressed. I was, I was angry. And, you know, it was like, you know, not that I have a problem with it, but you know, too much of it, of, of the same, that same baseline of music, you know, that, that, that heavy metal and, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff can really, really, really affect you if that's all you're listening to. And I was, I was listening to nothing but like, you know, just metal and, you know, like just, you know, you know that kind of stuff, you know, don't get me wrong. I still love it but you got to mix it up and it was affecting my mood and the drinking was affecting my mood. And it was, you know, I would, I would just sit there and, you know, and say, you know, say this is, you know, this is, you know, my beer for the day or, you know, one of, and it's, you know, I was in Germany, so it's German beer. So it's about this size actually. <laughs> and higher alcohol content, you know, and I'd just be, you know, just, okay, you know, pop open another one, finish that one. And it would know, be a Friday night and I'm, I'm putting away, you know, 
five, six, seven, eight beers. And it's like, okay, well, got nothing else going on. I don't have anywhere to go. I'll go ahead and make me a couple of mixed drinks. I, you know, got, you know, got my bourbon. It, it, I, I wish, I wish to God I could say that, you know, I, I came to the discovery on my own. I really do. I wish to God I could say that I was, you know, somehow magically pulled myself up on my bootstraps. Um, but it took my wife kicking me in the ass metaphorically, <laughs> uh, to, for me to get out of my own head. Like, you know, cause you know, you hear from everybody saying this, that, and the third, and you know, you want to listen to it, but you know, part of you doesn't, you're, you know, you're, I, I was feeling sorry for myself and I was sad and I was unsure and scared and all of those things. And it took my wife for, it took for my wife to, you know, finally, knock me over the head, kick me in the ass again, metaphorically, uh, uh, for me to realize that, you know, I had all the tools and resources I needed at my disposal already. You know, you're a smart guy, you know, you're, you're, you're motivated, you're, you know, you're all about, you know, making sure that, you know, we're good, which, you know, we, you know, and, you know we appreciate and this, that, and the, all, you know, all the things that she would say, I don't, don't want to go too much into all of that. Um, but, it uh, it really, really kind of catalyzed right there. I was just like, ooh, like I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm drinking my emotions. I'm, you know, listening to my, you know, just, you know, just, you know, with these or you know, with something else in my ear or you know, whatever. I'm just feeding back into my own emotion. You know, like I'm sad. I'm angry. And all I'm listening to is sad and angry, and it's just fueling what's already there. And and, and she pointed all of that shit out. She's like, and she t- she said that shit verbatim. Like, all you're doing is feeding your anxiety, you're feeding your anger, you're feeding your sadness, and you're contributing nothing to a good future getting out. If you continue to be like this, like you've got shit to do, go fucking do it. You know, I'm just like, damn. Like she'd never spoken to me like that before. Never in a million years that she spoke. And not, and not because of like, you know, we just, you know, uh, uh, we, you know, we don't have a relationship where we can be open with each other. But like, you know, she made me, like, you know, at that moment, just for that briefest of moments before that realization and that, you know, that resolve finally kicked in, I felt like a piece of shit. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. I've got to, you know, I like, you know, like she said, I've got everything I need, you know, all the people around me and the resources, all I got to do is reach out and ask for, you know, for, or for, for a reference for, you know, a letter of recommendation for this, for that, for the third, I'm not, and I'm setting myself up for failure. And so I was like, okay, it's, it's time to make a change. It's time to, it's time to take this, you know, take this for what it is. A situation I didn't ask for, a situation I didn't want, but a situation that I have nonetheless. Now I got to fucking do something about it. And that was, that was just it. It was just sitting and waiting and stewing until my wife finally said, all right, enough's enough, dude. And she literally, you know, peeled back the blinders that I, you know, I'd forced on and, you know, and, you know, just, you know, refusing to see it for what it was and what I could do with it. And yeah. And so it, it changed my perspective overnight. And then I was like, okay, now it's time to start using these tools that I got, whether it be, 
you know, my, any kind of like mental, mental or emotional resiliency kind of stuff that I've learned over the years or, uh, peers or subordinates or leaders or connections I've made over the years, you know, getting all this stuff figured out. I mean, and, and that's, that's in of itself right there, like family connections that, you know, I didn't even ever, I never even considered. And even when I got back here to the States, I still hadn't considered, I was, I was putting in applications here, there, and everywhere else to all of these industries and plants that are local to me here. And I was putting in, I put in a, I sent my resume to TSA uh, for Greenville Airport and for Charlotte. And uh, and then, you know, I was sitting there, I was like, you know, just playing the waiting game, what happens? And then my uncle reached out to me. He's like, hey, man, how you doing? Yada, yada, yada. Uh, question, you ever considered, you know, CSX? I'm just like, resource right there i mean i've heard all about the uh, they tell us this much when we're going through when we're going through you know our sfl tab about you know like you know programs that most directly can benefit military you know mil service members leaving the military about railroad retirement you know the opportunity that are in the railroad and the money you can make i'm just like they told me as much i know my uncle's work for the company i've known this for you know over a decade how in the hell dude like how did i not go to him and say hey donnie can you give me your 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 employee id number to put down as a reference for this application i'm about to do online he told me he's like yeah apply online here's a link here's this that and the other here's my name my full name employee id number where I work out of because they'll need all of that information. He gave it all to me without even asking. I, I can't tell you how obvious I'm and on the nose that one should have been, but I was just too in my own fucking head. And if I had just shut up and put, you know, and, and it just opened my eyes and just, you know, really looked at it for what it was and what it could have been, I would have discovered that well before that. And I would have had nothing to be scared of. I would have had nothing to worry about, but I just, I just, I just got bogged down by my own bullshit, you know, and, and, and I know that sounds kind of, it counts, sounds kind of self-deprecating, but it was, it, it really, really was. Not to dive down the MRT rabbit hole. Cause I can talk that, that business all day long, but yeah, you, what I think what your wife essentially did was put it in perspective. Like she gave you that jolt to jolt out of your pattern. Exactly what it was 110%. And so, I mean, what you're talking about is the kind of, I wouldn't say a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it was more like a, a closed feedback loop. Like when you're around, what is it? The five, um, you're the, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with where, you know, if you're just talking about whatever, um, you, you start to believe your own bullshit. You buy into the hype. Exactly. In, in that, in that situation, um, if there was any, what was some of the worst advice you got in that, in that few months period? I'm trying to think some of the worst advice. Uh, there, I mean, there, there's not, there's not a whole lot of bad advice I got at that time. There's advice that I don't want to say ignored, but kind of like, okay, well, you know, I'll at, at the very least humor you and, you know, give you the respect of you trying to help me and I'll look into it, see what it is at face value. And, you know, and then be like, Hey, look, I appreciate it, but that's not for me kind of thing. Um, it was more, it was more of like, um, kind of really honestly career paths of, you know, people being like, Oh, you can do this and that. And the other's like, no, I can't. 
<laughs> I can't. I'm a 36 year old, good enough diploma holding, you know, recipient uh, with no no college, and they're like, you know, and like, okay, I'll, I'll I'll rephrase. Hold on, no. So the worst advice I got, and this is worst advice just because it was advice because it, it, it pertains to me, not for everybody. I want to I want to I want to say that at the outset. You know, go to college, go to school, this, that, and the other. I'm not that guy. I I hated school when I was in high school. I don't feel like I benefited much from it at all besides social skills and this, that, and the other. I, I learned so much more from the school of hard knocks and the school of and the school of the real world than I did from a classroom environment to each their own. I'm not saying it's bad for everybody. It was bad for me. And me going to me going and you know trying to go and get some degree where so many jobs are available that you don't need a degree in, you know, and and honest and and you, and you look at it from the from the lens of okay, well you got a degree but you got no experience, or you got a, you got experience but you got no degree, one or the other, you know that kind of thing. It's like I'm not a I'm not an in school classroom environment learner. I'm 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 you know, a 36 year old dude with, you know, three children, uh, of the teen and preteen persuasions and a wife and a house and a car and, you know, all the responsibilities that, you know, somebody who should be in the midst of their career or close to the end of their career has not somebody just starting over. I'm not trying to go and do some online or in class, you know, in, in school thing, I need to find something that's going to provide right away. So for me, again, personal perspective, the worst advice was go to school, go to college. You know, you know, you, know, uh, you got, you know, you got the GI bill at your disposal. That's not for me, dude. Like that's not going to work. It works for other people. Great. Awesome. Great for them. I'm happy for them. I will never tell anybody not to try that route if it's right for them. But for me, it's not going to work. Please I need to find something real. I need to find something tangible right now. I mean, I, I again, I fall in a similar category. Uh, GED, never got a college degree. But what, what I do want to point out is the, the fact that you had this self-awareness to understand that you're a certain type of learner. I think knowing that is more valuable than a degree in and of itself. Without question, 110% all day, every day, and twice on Sunday, I am a see it done, learn how to do it and learn by doing learner. Like if I, if I watch somebody doing it, I can pick up on it. And then once I've, once I've done it and got that muscle memory a couple of times, it's locked in. I'm not going to sit there and learn anything with death by PowerPoint or being talked and droned at by somebody for, you know, again, the four or five, six, however many hours a day, I'm going to sit there and, you know, and just wish I was anywhere else, but right there. Can I ask you something along those same lines? And I mean, it's my podcast, so I can do whatever I want. But um, I want to ask you, like, so when you realize that, that you're not a, that you're more of a visual learner, meaning you're hands-on, you need to see it and then repeat it. Um, how much stuff do you learn from, say, a YouTube? Does that really bring you a lot of value? So the thing with the YouTube is, um, and and this is that weird kind of, like that weird kind of intersection of, watching it and, and, and it being done on a YouTube video or watching somebody in person doing it. You know, if I'm watching somebody take apart, uh, take apart a transmission, not that I'm, uh, not that I'm very mechanically inclined, 
But if I'm watching somebody in person and I can see every single angle, I can move around and I can get into that good spot or I can say, hey, what's, you know, why, why do you got to do it in this order? Or, you know, like the, 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 the rhyme and reason for it, you know, as opposed to a YouTube channel where it's, oh, then you do this and this and this and this and it already moves on. It's like, shit, I got to rewind. It's, it's more of the fact that it's not as interactive as being in person. Yeah, for, 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 for my money, from my perspective, yeah. No, that's that's perfect because I, I mean I delve in the the IT world either way, so um, that's that's an interesting thing. And like I said, the the, the self awareness to understand how you actually learn, like it's it's one of those things that was kind of like an aha moment for me when I when I actually heard this kind of thing being phrased and put together in a sentence, and I thought really hard about it. And I was like, huh, because again, school is school. Um, it's a mandatory thing. We all have to do it at some point, but a lot of us do it for the wrong reasons. And a lot of us don't understand that maybe that's not the way we learn, or we don't figure out a way to manipulate the studies in a way that we can actually succeed. Like if we want to be a doctor, like you have to go to college to be a doctor, right? You have to go to college to be a lawyer. If you don't understand how you actually learn, then you, you can't maximize that time that you have to do in order to reach your goal, right? So that's one of the reasons why I've always been a bigger proponent of uh, trade and technical schools. I've, I've, I, I, I know so many people that have gone to, you know, trade school and technical school as opposed to going to, you know, a, a, a standard, you know, institutionalized university or whatever. And, you know, that, that, that the trade school curriculum versus a technical uh, versus a university curriculum trade school, you're only learning what you need to learn as it pertains to your job. University, you got to learn what you need to learn for this and your credit hours, but you also got to take all these other classes that have no merit to you doing this job. But it's credit hours to say that you did this much schooling in general. It's like that to me is asinine. I don't I've never understood that. I I. I think it's a very, 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 um, it's a very faulty way of doing things. And it takes away from the real goal, uh, you know, in my mind of, you know, I'm trying to be insert job title here, but you're telling me I have to take this art elective or I have to take this or whatever. What does this pertain to me learning this thing? Well, nothing, but it means you did so many hours of school. Well, then make this course that many hours and then put as and cram as much knowledge into this one course for this one job for this one diploma that you possibly can in there to make it be this much and forget about all this other nonsense. My perspective, you know, for what it's worth. Um, and so, and so that's why, like you know, trade schools and technical schools, uh, job corps, job corps. I. I will tout Job Corps, even though I've never been myself, till the end of time. People who go to Job Corps, their only focus is what their what their education is going towards, and they give you every single resource imaginable to be successful in that once you leave their program. And if, as long as you stick with the program to its completion, and you actually apply yourself you can be a very, 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 very successful person in your particular field, welding, HVAC, you know, this, that, and the third, whatever. And so, and, and so I, if I hadn't joined the military, that probably would have been where I went after that.
Yeah, let me let me talk about that a little bit with you and dig into your transition process, like the tap SFL tap, uh, any of the the seminars you had to attend, and anything that you pulled away from there. Like, what was that experience like for you? Was it uh, a bunch of droning on, sitting in a classroom, listening to lectures, or did you actually did you take maybe some extra electives that were offered? Um, how was that experience? For you? So I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything additional that they didn't tell me was already, that was, you know, that was mandatory from my program, from my program. Um, I didn't give them any credence when it came to, you know, any stuff about college or this and the other. Um, I was solely strictly focused on, okay, building up a resume, making myself, uh, making myself be a quality higher for prospective, you know, employers, you know, or, 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 um, um, acquisition specialists or, you know, whatever the term may be for any particular area. Right. I would, that was, that was my sole focus. And I did all of those, like that, even the ones that I wasn't required to take, if it was like, Hey, here's a resume building class. Yep. Sign me up. Hey, here's a, here's a, here's a, a class on how to give a proper interview and this, that, and the other, and a workshop too. Like I was in the class with, a. I was in a class with like 25 other people. It was over Zoom and all that stuff because um, of COVID and all that stuff at the time and being in Germany. Uh, 25 other service members that were getting out uh, for, you know, all the various reasons. And uh, we had to do um, mock interviews with one another where at one moment I was the, uh, the person who was doing the hiring and then I was, you know, giving, I was conducting this interview with my perspective, you know, and, you know, possible employee and then vice versa with somebody else and this, that, and the other and building up, you know, uh, building up our own on the fly resume bullets to send in, you know, like, okay, well, we'll work on this tonight. And then tomorrow morning, first thing we'll present our resumes and, you know, and this, that, and the other, and we'll kind of just kind of go over not to, not to like bash or, you know, anything like that, but just kind of fine tune what you should really be going into a resume It's like, okay, well you put this here, but this isn't really something that's that crazy applicable, uh, um, applicable to this. So honestly, if you want to put it in there, it could be better served in this portion of the resume, or you can just do away with it altogether. And like stuff I didn't know. And so I ate those courses up. Um, and they were monumentally benefit uh, beneficial. And then, you know, I, I, I plugged that into when I got out, and I got back here to the States and um, I was, you know, going over all of these, all of those little bullet points with my sister-in-law who, you know, who is like a professional resume builder, you know, like in addition to, you know, her other hat she wears, like she's really good at, you know, uh, doing um, online banking, you know, and security, stuff like that. Um, but she helped me build up my, my, my resume. Good Lord. I never knew, never in my wildest dreams would have thought that, you know, my 16 years in the military and, you know, combat experience and leading soldiers and this, that, and the third would really translate well into civilian talk, you know, into civilian, not only civilian talk, but civilian job market talk. I'm like, whoa. And she made the, I mean, like with everything that I gave her and then taking this out here and putting this in there and this, that, and the third, it was, I mean, my, my resume looked 
immaculate. It was like, oh my God, it's, I opened it up and it's just glowing like that aura, you know, <laughs> it was like, wow. And then, you know, I sent that, you know, and I, 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 as soon as I got that back and fine tuned, you know, it was fine tuned and it looked great and it was professional and it had bullet points for days, shotgun blasted that out into the ether. And so, and that, and that was by benefit of, you know, those courses giving me that, you know, that, that, um, that baseline that not even really, you know what, honestly, it's not even really a baseline. Cause I could say, well, yeah, I could, you know, they could, you know, I could, I could build a resume and it could be moderately passable without doing this stuff, without having these classes. And, you know, I could sit there and I could be in an interview with, you know, company X to try to get this position. But, you know, I don't, I have not had to interview for anything like this and ever, you know, I've had to sit in front of people and be talked at for promotion or talk to them and, you know, give good answers and present myself well for promotions, you know, going to E5, E6 boards. And that's all well and good, but this isn't being grilled by your Sergeant Major and First Sergeants. This is, you know, what can you offer me? Why should I hire you? So it's, it's, it's different, but it's the same. And that's, you know, that's those tools that they kind of, help you dial it in and just help you, you know, help you tweak it ever so fine tuning it to get it to being, okay, well, this is your military Avenue of approach and it's, it parallels. It's not a completely different you know, it, it parallels how to do it this way, but it's just enough of a difference to where it's professional and it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, saying those certain buzzwords and, you know, presenting yourself well and, you know, dressing, you know, dressing for the job you want, you know, and it's not, it's not suit and tie. It's, you know, just a button down or, you know, a polo or something like that, you know, presenting yourself well and, and articulating to the best of your ability, what you bring to the table and what you're willing to do to help them be profitable or be, you know, expand or, you know, whatever. And so if those courses just, just those two or three uh, additional courses I did for uh, interview pro interview process and resume building that were um, extracurriculars to the SFL TAP program, I, I absolutely ate those up and I pretty much kicked everything else to the curb. I was like, if I don't have to do it, I don't care about it. And I'm focused on this because this is my way forward. And, and I, and, and that all going back to that kick in the ass I got from my wife saying, you know, get up and make something happen. <laughs> I did want to ask you, cause it's a very unique situation, or at least in my experience, I haven't run across many people who've done, uh, an MEB and not been at past the 20 year mark. So I just wanted to ask, uh, two, two things really. Um, did you get a chance to do benefits delivery of discharge for your VA stuff or did that not even matter? Uh, you, are you talking about doing, uh, having my benefits already kick in for the time when I'm out? Yeah. Yeah. So I did all of that stuff prior to, um, prior to getting out, um, going and seeing, uh, all of the doctors, um, you know, whether it be orthopedic for the shoulder and knees and back or, you know, uh, you know, behavioral health specialist for, you know, the anxiety and all that good stuff. Uh, I mean, you name it, I had to go and see them, you know, tinnitus, sleep apnea, um, all the stuff that, uh, all the stuff that gets me now. 
it was extremely beneficial on one hand because I know of a lot of dudes who just get out prior to, you know, the 20 on, you know, on their own accord. And, you know, you hear about so many dudes like, well, I don't even have a VA rating. Like, how do you not have a VA rating, dude? Like, well, I only did so many years and so on and so on and so on. Right. And it's just like, dude, you have to, oh my God, you've got it. You know, you, if you, I don't care if you serve for a year and a half or you serve for, you know, for 30 and a half, like, Go, yeah, you got to You got to get back in touch with the BA and try to, you know, try to make sure that, you know, oh man, you know, you, know, you, you get up, you're just like, oh, you jumped out of planes, dude. You jumped out of planes for a living. You were, you know, freaking go get your, go, go and make sure that that you know, your injury, your pain is not a contributed to your service. And if it is, you at least get compensated for the rest of your life because of that, you know, what, to what degree that is, you know, but so. The issue I had with that, though, right, was the language barrier because I was in Germany and all the doctors they sent me to for my ratings and for my uh, for my exams were all German and or Italian doctors. Yeah, so it was weird. It was a really, really weird scenario where I'll give you an example, right? My uh, one of my buddies, who was actually one of my soldiers for a while, um, got out, was getting out around the same time I was, but he was at Fort Bragg. He had eight years in. I had 16. He had one combat deployment. I had three. He was a paratrooper. I was a paratrooper. We were both field artillery. He was in my section for a while for crying out loud and almost getting out for the same thing. Like he had destroyed, uh, it was his left shoulder, not his right, but he had destroyed his shoulder and he got out with a hundred percent right off the rip. And I got out with 90. Now, and I've told him this too, because he's like, what the fuck? But I was kind of like, I'm happy for you. I'm super happy that you got yours because you've done this and you've done that and you've been through this and you've hurt here and this, you know, and on and on and on. And you've gotten all yours, but like at the same time, I'm kind of sitting there like, how the fuck did I not get a hundred percent? You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I'm not sitting here like trying to, you know, like trying to um, um, suckle on the teat that is the VA forever, you know, for lack of a better term. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, you know, I should, I, I feel like everything that I've, I, I've gone through and everything that I've been through, all the injuries I have sustained over the years and the shit that I'm dealing with now, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, or what have you, I feel like it should be at that hundred percent marker with, you know, no offense to him. Cause he's, not that it's not, I, I, and I'm, it's going to sound so petty. I know. And it's, it's, it really is. And, and, and everything he's done and everything that he's been through, I've been through all of that and more, you know, I, and it's, again, that sounds petty. I know, but it's at the same time, it's like, you know, I have had twice as many years in and all of these, you know, and everything that he's experienced, I've got that times two, you know, injuries and, you know, and, and, and situations and, Hardships. Now, I'm not going to speak to what it was like for him on deployment, you know, or the trauma he experienced over there, but just the physical aspect of it and and what it does to you over time, the way it wears you down. And I was just like, man, this is something's not right. But it, that actually recently been uh, been rectified. I actually just got 100 uh, percent last month. So.
And do you think that has something to do with uh, going to the German and Italian doctors versus going to like VA doctors? I think so. And so I, I, I want to preface by saying I don't think it was any kind of and I've had somebody and the reason why I'm saying this is because I've had somebody pose this question to me that they, the question they posed was, do you think they did it just because you're an American over in Germany and they don't give two shits about you? No. No, I don't think that's the case. They're doctors. They're professionals. At least, I, you know, and I, I'm going. I'm going to lead with that thought process of language barrier, or not understanding, not understanding the extent of what it means to you know throw yourself out of a plane at 1,200 feet, you know, 60 plus times, you know. I'll get you know, and so I I just think it was an unfortunate side effect of language barrier and not really grasping the the toll it takes. So I'll preface with that one. I don't think it was any way, shape, or form any slight against me because I'm an American or because I'm a service member or or any of that. Pardon me, sorry. You know, I, I, I don't want anyone to ever go into that situation over in Germany and be jaded by thinking, oh, well, this person's going to screw me over. Because... I mean, if it happens, I, I I hope they get I hope it gets rectified, but I just think it was a miscommunication, it was a misunderstanding, and you know anybody who's overseas, Germany, Italy, you know uh, France, uh, you know Asia, anywhere over there, like hope if if you get sent to a doctor who's of that nation for your for your exams for your you know for your MEB or whatever. You know, trust that they are doing their absolute best. They've taken that Hippocratic oath to do no harm. and They're trying to do the best that they can, but the language barrier might, in fact, be an issue. And if it is, do what I did. And when you get out, if you only got that 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever percentage and you think it should be more, go to a, you know, to a veterans advocacy group that specialize in increasing VA de- uh, decision ratings and they'll help you out like they helped me. <laughs> not a not a speech po- uh, spokesperson. Uh, spokesperson. <laughs> so if we could sum up, like, as far as, actually, let me ask something else first. Um, if I understand it correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you got medically retired, which means you get a medical retirement paycheck, and then you also have the VA disability, which is now 100%, which is an additional paycheck i'm just trying to do the math and see like at least if you still got compensated the same way you would have if you would have hit 20 or at least something close to that so i say retired just because i spent you know over a decade in the job and you know i've left this life and i'm now in this one it was actually just medical separation because the army rating i got was only for the thing that eliminated me from service which was my shoulder that was, and they rated me the army at twenty percent from my shoulder. I have to have thirty percent or more from the army to consider it a retirement. But uh, so I got medically separated, and I get my disability checks each month, and uh, I got a one-time severance when I got out. Yeah, and I just I want to understand it because I really don't fully understand it. But you're what you're saying is at thirty percent. That's when you are can potentially be medically retired. 
anybody who's going through a MEB process, they're going to get two different ratings. They're going to get the Army or Marines, Air Force, Navy, what have you, and they're going to get the VA. Their VA can be whatever number, but the, the, the retirement basis will be from the branch of service. So I got the 20 from the Army and I got 90 from the VA because the VA consider, you know, looked at everything, you know, knee, knee shoulder, back, um, sleep apnea, tinnitus, PTSD, anxiety disorder, you know, so on and so on and so on. Did you happen to uh, do anything with the, the new retirement system, the blended retirement system at all, or you stayed on traditional? Before I was in, I stayed on the traditional, um, or before I got out, excuse me, I stayed on the traditional. Um, I didn't, uh, I didn't elect for the, uh, the blended one. Um, in retrospect, that might've been a bad decision, but it probably wouldn't have, it probably wouldn't have helped me one way or another anyway, with my med being what it was. Cause I don't, I'm not entitled to a retirement. Um, not, you know, not going to get that pension, but, um, had I stayed in, um, well, no shit. I was past the window for, uh, for electing it. Yeah. I was past the window for electing the blended retirement uh, program when, uh, by the time I got out anyway. So I would have been, I would have been the traditional, you know, the, the um the post 9-11 gi everything you know gi bill and all, all all that applies and everything um i did i did do one thing that was smart before i got out uh before uh, i didn't have the availability to do so i transferred all of my gi benefits to my kids uh two years before i got out so i knew that, and and not not because i knew that that was coming up you know through the woodworks or whatever that i was going to get mebbed but just because i knew that I was getting closer and closer to the years where my kids are going to be going off, going to school. And I had no interest or desire to use my benefits for GI bill. So I was like, give it to them. At least it's, you know, it's something towards their, it's something towards their college education. Is it going to cover everything? No, but it'll help. It'll help a big bit. And so I transferred it all to them, but now even now, um, so, um, there are two types of 100% disability from the VA. There's, you know, just plain Jane 100%. And then there's 100% permanent and total. Um, and I got, you know, so when I got informed last month uh, that my, my disability had been increased, I was sitting there and I was waiting for them to tell me, like, is it PNT? Is it PNT? Like, uh, come on, what is it? And so... Um, it took them, I had to wait for the, for the letter to come in from the VA and also to like, you know, confirm because I got on the phone with the VA after I looked at my, after I looked at my phone app uh, and saw it, um, that it had been increased. I got on the phone. I was like, you know, is this, is this PNT? Um, because the difference with 100% or 100% PNT is the education for your children with 100% PNT. If they were on your gears before you got out, they're going to college for free, complete tuition. And without it, and with just 100%, like, yeah, you get more money each month through disability, but you're not getting those education benefits for your kids of a completely free tuition. And so I was just like, I, I mean, I asked my wife, she's in the living room right now, you know, and, you know, three rooms away. 
And if I were to be like, hey, babe, what happened when I when I when I looked at my phone and saw that my uh, my my disability said 100% service connected, and, and then I found that out, I fell to the floor crying. <laughs> I I was flabbergasted. Just, uh, there there are no words because I did not have them. I was just elated. I was relieved. It was magical and amazing and spectacular and wildly unbelievable all at the same time. I just, I, I, I could not have fathomed. It was like, Oh my God, like we're going to be okay. Between the paycheck I'm making with CSX, which is good, very good paycheck. And then this increased disability, you know, uh, compensation each month from the VA. And now all three of our children are going to go to, you know, to, to, uh, to college for free, <sighs> mind blown. So, um, I know, I know people always say it's like, you know, hundred percent is untouchable. No, hundred percent P and T is untouchable. Yeah. And then the hundred percent P and T also provides with it. Those, uh, those education for your, for your kids. Is there a certain thing that that triggers that, that allows them to then give you that kind of rating, the PNT rating. I went through a, uh, uh, an advocacy group, you know, they, they, they literally do all the legwork for you for, in, for increasing your rating. Uh, they hook you up with a doctor, they do their intake forms and get everything like that. And when I went to them, it's a, um, and there are, and you can look them up. There's dozens of them all over. And I, I don't know that any one's better than the other, but I went through one called veterans guardian. And when I did all the intake with them, I had to send them my DD-214 and my discharge summary stuff and all my disability summary stuff and all of that. They came back to me and they said to me in their mind, and I I could say, no, I don't want to go that way. But in their mind, the best way forward is to go by, uh, is to go and try to get the rating for my PTSD increased. Um, and so I was like, shit, this is going to suck because now I got to talk to a stranger, a therapist about all of my inner working demons and this, that and the other and all of the things that I deal with that I have a hard enough time talking to family and friends about. And now I got to talk to some random person and be completely open about everything. And they said, here's the kicker. They told me that when I have this sit down with the therapist and I have this interview and he or she is taking down all of these notes to be completely open and honest and answer every question about your condition as if it was your worst day of being affected by it. I'm just like, Oh fuck. Like, how am I going to do this? So, but, um, so they go through, uh, they got all of that stuff together and then they sent it to me for review. And then I, and their pre uh, pre postage envelopes that they sent with it all, send it up to the VA and they make their determination. I don't know necessarily how they make the determination, but um, I know that when just give a little, a little deep dive into this one, when the therapist sent um, sent the paperwork for me to, uh, to eventually to approve and send off to the VA, uh, at the bottom of her summary, which is like a five page type out of all of my, you know, all of my stuff going on up here. Uh, it was a, the summary block was, um, 
trying to remember, it's not going to be verbatim. Um, it was a uh, service member uh, is presenting with um, PTSD, uh, anxiety disorder, paranoia, and, and a couple other things listed in there. Not, not, not diagnoses, but, you know, like, you know, um, situations, I guess, within. And at the bottom sentence, it said, uh, uh, case for um, increased rating is based on uh, all things mentioned above and service members presenting diagnoses mentioned above are at, uh, are uh, severe. I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, like, you can, you, uh, you got, you got to laugh to keep from crying at it. You know, I'm not trying to make light of it, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where I was like, shit, man. Like I not, I knew I had some, I knew I had some stuff rattling on up in there, but, but they, it's like they said, treat it like it's your worst day. And I guess based off of that, so my, uh, my 100% combined disability rating it, you know, they, they don't go over a hundred percent, you know, even though your stuff could be over a hundred percent, if you actually were to math it out and combine it, you know? Um, but I got hundred percent service connected disability and then, you know, like 10% to not for tinnitus and the other shoulder and this, that, and the other, my PTSD rating is a hundred percent in of itself. Yeah. I was just like, oh, fuck, dude. you know? And so I, 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 I often wonder, I, I look at that and I'm just like, how do I function on a day to day? Like, you know, and like one of the questions really was like, do you have issues or any, um, um, do you have any, any times where you have just no, no desire or, or, or energy or care about being clean or brushing your teeth or any of that other stuff. Like do you, do you, do you ever live in squalor? I was like, you know, it's like, I may be a lot of things. I may be crazy, but I'm sure shit, not disgusting. Like, you know, I, I, I pride myself on being, you know, clean and presentable. Like, you know, I know there's, there's issues going on up in here and I hate being around people and I'm paranoid about, you know, this, that, and the third. And, you know, but like there, there, there are some things I can't allow myself to sit there and, and, and not be, uh, not be bathed and, and to live in my own squalor. It was just, it was just so weird, the questioning and whatnot. And I know it's going to be different for everybody, but it, and I, and I don't want to make fun of anybody. So I apologize for laughing, but, you know, cause I know that there are people who might have those issues, but it's just, it's just so weird, the line of questioning. And if I, if I knew, if I knew how they come to their decision, I would gladly tout that to the world and be like, look, I'm not saying take advantage, but I'm saying, or I'm not saying get over on people, but take advantage of what you have at your disposal. If you really do need it. And the sad part about it is for some people, you can't tell if they're, if they're faking it till they make it, or if they're really needing those resources, but it, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I would, I would give the cheat codes to that kind of information all day, every day, if I had it. And I wish I did because there are so many dudes I know who legitimately need and would benefit from having their disability rating increased. 
but get the run around because they don't they don't have the cheat codes you know they don't have the information that would set them up for for that for that uh, decision being made in their in their benefit that's a lot of very personal stuff to to give and I appreciate you sharing that with me it's really really helpful not maybe not necessarily to me I mean it is helpful to me right but I, I know there's a lot of people out there like you said that have, that have gone through the shit many many times over and they just either they don't have the capacity to reach out to somebody or they don't know or they just kind of push it off and and fill it with other things like alcohol or gambling or driving cars too fast or like whatever it happens to be right no no you're you're absolutely right and that was a that was a barrier i had to let down um like you know and you know just the, the just this small little this little snippet of information about that right there would have been something that if you would have asked me about it two years ago, three years ago, probably wouldn't be having this conversation. You know what I mean? Like I will say that talking to the therapist, um, to get my, to get my rating increase kind of, kind of opened the doors to, um, not having that, not having that guard up as much about the conversations, but the biggest thing, honestly, man, and, and, and like that, that kind of, you know, that, that eased into this, the, the scenario a little bit, you know, into the, 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 the conversations I can have now, but the biggest thing for me, man, you know, and now with the kind of conversations I have, you know, with you now or with, um, buddies that I, you know, that I've served with, or even random people that I've met, you know, through, through TikTok or other, you know, other apps or whatnot, it has opened my eyes with the people that I've come into contact with, or I've been, uh, introduced to, or just heard of and hear their story. And it's like, you know, I, I can't stay closed lipped on, what I'm, what I'm going through, what I've dealt with, what I've been through. If it means that somebody else who's going through my same shit as me could potentially freaking benefit from it. If, if that, if that person, you know, he, she, whoever don't care if you've been in for a year, I don't care if you've been in for 35 years, if you can benefit from it and I have the knowledge, I have the resources or I've, I've, I've been in your shoes and I found my way out. I have to, at least if you're willing to hear me, I have to give you that, that, that little bit in the toolbox. If you want it, you know, it's like, this is how I did it. This is what I'm doing. Not saying it will work for you, but here's a, here's an avenue. Here's a tool in the box that you can reach for. I'm like, Oh shit. Brandon said this, let's try this out today. You know what I mean? And, and that's my whole, that's my whole shtick now is, you know, it's like, obviously, doing everything I can for my family and, 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 and breaking myself for them, you know, physically, you know, at, at work, whether it be in the military or on the railroad. And, and there's a difference between the physicality of them both. So it's not too bad. Um, uh, or, or pivot from that to what can I do to help my fellow veterans, my help, my fellow service members, whether they're out now or still currently serving and they're, they're coming to the end of that story like I did. And, and I'll tell you one thing, man. So like I made a video back when I was um, just gotten back to the States last year, shortly thereafter. 
Um, and uh, anybody who's watching this, if you feel like going and seeing it, you know, some of my videos on TikTok, I'm not going to advertise because they're goofy or stupid or really dark comedy or raunchy comedy. And uh, But there are a few of them on there that I have made strictly specifically for uh, the benefit of service members. And one of them was telling that bit about my Sergeant Major telling me to view it as a story unto itself, as opposed to a chapter of a story. And man, I'll tell you when I said that, and I made that video and I put it out there, the feedback I got off of that video was enough to send, you know, enough to carry me for the next five years, 10 years of trying to help out other people. It was astonishing the feedback I got off of that. Like it, it wasn't some crazy viral thing, you know, but you know, the however many comments and the likes I got on it and the messages back from people being like, dude, thank you. That's awesome. That's the, exactly the perspective I needed to hear. You know, I'd never thought of it that way. I was just like preaching to the choir. I'd never thought of it that way either. You know, if you're thanking me, I got to thank him, you know, because I didn't have that tool in my box until he said it to me. And now I can share it with you. And that's that's what I need to be doing now is I need to share tools that I have to get people to that finish line, to get people to that accepted stage or that, you know, um, get them out of their own head for a few minutes and make them see another uh, make them see another angle that they can approach from. Like, that's my whole thing nowadays. Is that I just whatever way I can, whenever I can, I want to be helpful to my fellow veterans, whether they were same era as me, next generation or the generation before, so on and so on and so on. Like, what can I do? Because I'm not trying to sit here and be braggadocious by any stretch of the imagination, but so far, where from my perspective alone, I've had it really good, that transition and then, you know, that military life and that, you know, that unknown and that, you know, that resolution with that. And then to where I am now, I've really, really beyond fortunate, beyond blessed to be in the position that I'm at now, whether it's, you know, you know, physical location, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, financially, on and on and on. I'm extremely blessed that I've had the proper people in my life at the proper times, you know, insert information here, insert, you know, kicking the ass there, insert, you know, helping helping hand up, you know, from the ground there, you know, that kind of stuff and and benefited very very well because I took the resources that they were offering me and I fucking ran with it and I just want to give somebody else that same opportunity like that's if you take these resources you know maybe this particular thing won't work for you but it could help you know it but it's it's a it's a starting off point you know it's something at the very least and then okay well I tried it and it got me going but it's not going to sustain me okay well then try something else man you know keep Keep finding that next thing until you're on your path that works for you. And that, cause that's what happened with me. And if it can work for me, a guy who's by all intents and purposes, not the smartest, you know, not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but applies myself. Nonetheless, if you apply yourself, it can work. I'm not saying it will, but it can. And that's, that's my whole thing now is how can I make it work for you? How can I help you make it work and get that Venn diagram of what will, you know, what your plan going forward is. 
Hey, what's going on, everyone? I hope you're doing well today. I want to have a quick conversation with you guys, if I may. And uh, if you're watching this, please stick around to the end. I think it might be beneficial to those in the military who may be getting out of the Army or the military in general soon or have already gotten out and are, are struggling with it a little bit. So I had a conversation with a friend earlier, and this friend told me that their significant other is having a very hard time coming to terms with the fact that they're going to be getting out of the army soon and has brought up a whole lot of concerns about the future and looking for jobs and benefits and retirement plans and all of that stuff you know all the concerns that you have and believe me as a person who his career ended early and not by choice from medical retirement i know those fears and those concerns all too well but you can't let those fears and those concerns cripple you. You can't let those fears and those concerns drive you apart from the people who are in your life that love and care for you and are there for you. There is, in fact, life after the military. There is, in fact, light at the end of the tunnel. You just got to keep moving forward to find it and get to it. For anybody struggling with the transition, let me, let me impart some wisdom upon you that was imparted upon me by my sergeant major before I left Germany and the Army as a whole. He told me not to look at my time in the army as a chapter of a book, but a book unto itself. He said, now that my time in the army is done, I need to close that book and put it away and start a new book and fill it with all of the events and memories and good and bad and everything else in my life that's going to happen from this point forward. And to only look at the book that was my time in the military every so often, look back at it fondly and remember it and not to live in that book. He said the ones who can't put that book away and move past it are the ones that fail in life. And the ones who can put it away and start a new book and a new life are the ones who succeed. I don't know if this applies to you or anybody out there, but if it does, please listen to that very carefully, okay? Look back at the book fondly and reminisce, but don't dwell in the past. Keep moving forward always, and we're here for you. Love you guys. Take it easy. Let me ask you something on that along those lines, and it's about mentorship specifically, but more abstractly, I, what I hear you saying and what I understand from what you're saying is not only did you have people around you, but you also had the capacity to be responsive to what they said and to hear and take heed and internalize what they said. What, because you know, you get advice all the time. I generally, like I give advice sometimes and sometimes I kick myself in the ass. I'm like, yeah, you probably should have just did it a different way. People got to figure out their own shit. But the biggest thing, man, honestly, my ability to take advice from people is from so many years of not taking advice from people. So many years of being like, no, I know what I'm doing. I, I, I can handle this on my own. I don't need your help. I don't need your advice. I appreciate it, but this is what I'm doing. And, you know, doing it my own way and being stubborn to, you know, being stubborn to those other angles, those other, you know, those other vantage points uh, or, 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 or God bless it. Even, you know, even personal experience and tells of people who have been like, I tried it, this and not even like a vague, generalized, broad spectrum kind of advice. But like, look, Brandon, I did exactly what you're doing in this specific instance exactly the way you're doing it and it blew up in my face well it won't do that for me i i know what i'm doing i can handle this i'm a grown-ass man i don't i don't need or depend on anybody to 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 you know 
make my marriage work to, you know, to, to, uh, get this opportunity, this promotion. I don't need any, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll take care of it on my own. And then, you know, shit doesn't work out and shit doesn't, you know, it shit blows up in your face. And it's like, man, at what point am I going to shut the fuck up and just, you know, hear somebody out? At what point am I going to stop being that guy's like, you know, well, I know, dude, but I got this, you know, or, you know, cutting people off or interrupting. It's like, you know, I appreciate it, but I'm doing, you know, no, hear what they have to say. You know, what, what can it hurt? You you failed so many times. I mean, the definition of an insanity is trying something over and over and over and over and over again, the same exact way and expecting a different result. And that was me in a nutshell. And I was like, at what point am I going to stop getting in my own way and, and, and thinking that I have all the fucking answers and actually just, you know, give it a shot. What could it hurt? You know, it's, if this fails, it's just one more way that it's failed, but at least it's different than the last time. You know, if, 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 if this doesn't quite pan out to the, the definition of success that I've, I've set forth for myself, you know, and it's just slightly less, what's it really going to hurt? Because at least it's still a measure of success, you know, and then you, and then you try it and it's like, holy shit, not only did it work, but it worked above and beyond what I could have expected it to, because I shut up and I got out of my own way. And I listened to somebody who's had that perspective and that experience and that life, you know, that life moment where it, you know, that exact thing or something extremely similar happened to them, you know, cause like I said, I'm a stubborn dude. It took me years to get out of my own head. It took me years to get out of my own way and quit stepping on my own foot, quit shutting doors in my own face. And it wasn't probably until these past, I want to say four years, five years of repeated failures and repeat, and not only repeated failures, but repeated, you know, going out, going at it with the same approach, you know, this situation, but I'm going at it this way, this different situation, but I'm going at it the same kind of way like that, you know, that, that head down driving forward. Here's here, here's, here am I, here's my objective. Let's go. You know, that's saying, you know, and, and, and then just tweak minutely here and there based on given scenario or situation. And finally it was, you know, I, I, I can't say that there, there was one, I can't say that there was any one particular epiphany moment where I had like, Oh my God, you know, this person was right. But, um, not that I can recall anyway off the top of my head, but there was, it, it was just like frustration with the failure and understanding that the failure was mine because I wouldn't accept that, you know, that, advice or that, you know, that, that helping hand or whatever from somebody else that I had to do, I had to carve my own way. I had to make my own, you know, and man, once I got out of my own way, once I got it out of my own head and I stopped stepping on my own toe and, or pardon the expression, dick, <laughs> and finally started listening to people that actually had that knowledge and know-how and experience and history and, and, and wisdom, real wisdom, you know, there's an old saying, and in order to be old and wise, you first got to be young and dumb. And 
I don't want to say that I'm wise yet, but man, the amount of wisdom I've gotten from listening to people with wisdom and taking advice has helped me and benefited me tenfold. So if somebody is coming at you, if, you know, if somebody's coming at you with just their idea or their opinion and no real tangible knowledge or know-how for any particular situation, you know, take, take and do with it what you will fine. You know, well, you don't know anything about this and you don't have it. And it's not even remotely similar to the kind of thing you're talking about what I'm going through. Do with it what you will. Fine. But if somebody comes to you and they're genuinely trying to help you and they have real knowledge and experience about your same situation or something similar or how they got through something maybe even worse and drastically different than what you're dealing with, Give them the benefit of the doubt and just listen. Because if they're offering you that, it could really, truly be. It's not guaranteed. Nothing in life is. But it can. What's the, what, what's the worst that could happen from you saying, all right, let me try it your way this one time, as opposed to doing it the same way I've been doing it the past however many. That's that's where I came to that. It, it, like I said, I wish it was... I wish it was one particular moment where I saw the light and I had that epiphany eureka moment. I, if there, if there is one, I don't recall it. It might've been just so small that it's like, you know, you know, not that drastically important at the end of the day, you know, smaller scenario, smaller situation. But it was, like I said, just years and years and years of charting my own path and not caring what anybody else had to say about it. On that same token. And I, I, imagine you probably think about this. You've got teenage kids and preteens. If you could go back and spend, first of all, we'd have to figure out where and when you would actually be bumping into yourself, like a time and a place and, and maybe a mental space. Um, but if you had the opportunity to go back to your 16 year old self and just not, not necessarily give advice, but just sit down and have like a 30 minute chat with your 16 year old self, what would that chat look like? Like, how would that go? Oh man. I've actually have thought about this before. Um, if I could go back and have a conversation with my younger self, I would tell myself, don't be in a rush to, don't be in a rush to grow up. Don't be in a rush to, you know, get married young, have kids. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I love my son. You know, he, I, I had him at a young age. I was still married, but still, you know, uh, I, but you know, I, if I could go back, I'd say, don't be in a rush to grow up. Don't be in a rush to, 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 you know, achieve these crazy goals that you can't even know how to, you know, you don't even know how to start on this, on this route yet. You know, you have all of these dreams and ideas. Cause I had, I had more than just military rattling around in my head. When I was 16 years old, I still thought the possibility of going to college and, 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 you know, becoming like a, like a marine biologist or something like that was possible. Cause you know, I always dreamed about stuff like that. And, you know, Oh man, I, I love the water. I've never been to the ocean, but I'd love it anyway. And I would love to go there. So, you know, maybe I could be a marine biologist or maybe I could do this, that, and the other, you know, and I, like, there are certain things you have, you know, I, I, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to go back and tell myself that, you know, don't dream. 
because you know you got to dream, you got to wonder, you got to think big sometimes. But I would tell myself to manage expectations, learn to manage expectations, learn that giving it your all is not always going to guarantee success. As much as that sucks to hear, because um, I can't tell you how many times I've given it a hundred and fifty percent, hundred sixty percent, and still been the guy who wasn't selected or the guy who didn't finish first or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, manage expectations. Don't be afraid to, um, don't be afraid to take chances and try something new. Don't be set in your ways. Um, and then really, yeah, don't, don't, don't force yourself to grow up more than you need to before you need to. You know, enjoy your time. And again, it sounds terrible because I, you know, because I do have like, I do have my kids, but, you know, enjoy your time as a young single dude. Don't feel like you have to settle down and have kids right now because, you know, you, because you, if you don't do it now, you never will kind of thing or whatever was going through my head at the time. Um, yeah, really just, you know, manage expectations but you know take chances at the same time like you know gamble on yourself but manage expectations so i don't want to go too far over time i know we're close but i do want to open up the floor on your end and find out if there's anything that we haven't discussed any additional things that you might want to talk about that we haven't covered yet or anything in general i would say so just really kind of if we could just kind of go back, circle back around to, you know, like, uh, like that, that, the, the, what I, what I would want to leave anybody who's watching this with, you know, veteran or, you know, spouse or a kid, you know, or even, even somebody who's not affiliated with the military at all is understanding that, you know, there's never only one way out of any kind of bad situation you're in. And, and there are always people in your life who you can reach out to, to, you know, to get you back up. I always, you know, I always say, um, one of my favorite mottos, um, and it's actually on a t-shirt too, is keep moving forward. Uh, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get knocked down by something damn near every day, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, relationships, what have you. You know, something's going to knock you on your ass every single day, just about, you know, it's life. That's what it does. But the, the goal, the, the, the aspiration should always be however that happened, whatever that is that happens, I am able to get back up on my feet and keep moving forward. And, you know, if, if you're not able to do it on your own, if you're not able to stand up, you know, if you, if you can't walk, you crawl. Or sorry, no, I was, I was saying that backwards. If you can't run, you walk. If you can't walk, you crawl. If you can't crawl, you bite, scratch, and claw. And if you can't do any of that, you ask somebody to help you up and, to, and then and keep going to that finish line. You know, you find a way to always move forward. Like, you know, progression is forward. You don't go backward. You don't stay stagnant. You know, if, if, you, if you allow yourself... If you allow yourself to, like we were talking about earlier, feed into your own 
feelings and your own your own emotions you know you're you're just digging that hole deeper you know and and finding it impossible to climb out but you know if you understand and you realize that you're staying in that one spot you're staying stagnant and you can't you can't move forward on your own you know you you absolutely have to let go of ego and pride or 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 worry of embarrassment or reprisal and reach out for help and like really 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 seek help and you know it, it's it's that stigma of if i come up on the block with this issue how is it going to affect my career my life my relationships and all that stuff and you know you and i are products of a generation where you know if you well, uh, let me let me rephrase because the mindset's changing a lot since you and I, you know, first joined, and all of that stuff. Um, but like when you first came in, you know, twenty, you know, how long have you been out now? Sorry, uh, I've been out since end of twenty one. You've been out for almost six years, and you served for twenty six. I came in ninety six, and I got out twenty twenty one or twenty. Yeah, 2021, end of 21. So you joined the Army 10 years before I did. And in 1996, while I, while I wasn't in at that point, I can guarantee that in 1996, the stigma of mental health issues was a career killer. It wasn't even a talking point at that point. You know, and if you if you had come up and said, you know, like you... Um, you get back from not saying that you were or weren't there, but you get back from Bosnia because the Bosnia situation happened in the late nineties and you go to your, your first line and you say, I'm having real issues, you know, dealing with what all, what all I saw over there with the injustices, injustices that happened to those people. And I think I need, I think I need help. I need to go to behavioral health. You, you couldn't, you probably couldn't comprehend even making that statement, whether it happened to you or, you know, somebody else in that era for fear of, well, I'm going to get freaking, I'm going to get kicked out for being crazy. That's going to ruin my, uh, oh, you want to go to the E5 board next month? Well, that's not happening now because you're having mental health issues and you can't cope. You can't hang. And in 2006, when I was in Iraq, it was the same deal. I mean, like, and you know, like I was, you know, I don't know about your deployment history and I, I, I but you know, I, you know, you've been in all the time I was and then some, and you know, 2006, that was, you know, 2005, 2006, that was the height of it all in Iraq. And I was in 425 out of Alaska. We were dubbed the bloody brigade, you know, and you know, so many people wounded, you know, and, and, and so many people killed that year, 06, 07 in Iraq and if I, and even then, I, I, if I, I felt like if I went to my first line and I was like, man, you know, I'm just having a really hard time, you know, coping with, uh, you know, my buddy Marshall getting blown up and, you know, and killed, you know, last year or, you know, five months ago. And it just, I, I don't know how to deal with it. I, 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 even at that time, I would have thought that my career would have, you know, like I, I just committed a career suicide. And so, obviously, that stigma has really, really, really fallen by the wayside, at least, you know, in a lot of respects, not not entirely. But still, people, even to, even now, I hear dudes being like, 
what do I do? You know, I, how do I go about How do I go and tell them that I need to, I need to go and talk to, you know, a therapist, whatever, tell them, tell them that you need to go and talk. You know, you don't have to tell them what it's about. You don't have to tell them why you just say, I need to go and I need to schedule an appointment with this person. And then you go and talk and you do it and you get the help you need and don't worry about what they're going to do to you because they're not going to do shit to you. They cannot. And, I, and, and you're doing yourself a disservice by resting on your laurels and believing that you're going to face some sort of career reprisal for it, you know, or, and, and even outside of the military, people still don't get the help they need in a lot of, in a lot of respects for shame within their family or, or, or same thing, fear of, you know, like I, I, I saw something traumatic or something traumatic happened to me in my childhood. And so I, I, I would like to get help for it, but I can't because I have this work and I have this, you know, I have to keep maintaining my work in order to show that I'm valuable and, you know, and, and productive to them. So I can either just stay employed as it is or, or get that promotion when it comes up, you know, at the end of the year, try to become that, you know, that managerial spot and, you know, show that I'm, I'm capable of, 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 you know, taking this company forward or being, you know, being uh, somebody who's able to get stuff done here and there and the other and manage all of these people and departments and projects. It's like, well, you know, the more you let it fester and the more you let it set again, it's like, it's just, it's standing there and just digging yourself down and you'll never reach out on your own. Once you start digging down like that, you've got to reach up for help somebody to throw down a rope or somebody to put down a ladder or something. And that's my whole biggest thing now is just like trying to advocate to people, trying to, you know, just implore them, you know, get the help if you need it. And that, if there, if there's one thing I could leave it with is, you know, get the help if you need, it. if you feel that you need this kind of help, if you feel you need that kind of help, you know, mental, physical, emotional, what have you, you know, you don't have to go and get professional help at a therapist or a psychiatrist. You know, if you're religious, talk to a path, talk to your, your pastor or your priest, you know, they keep that stuff in confidence, but, and sometimes it's not even getting any kind of counseling or, or uh, medication. Sometimes it's just talking about it and letting yourself, letting yourself feel that emotion that it happened to you when a parent passed away or, you know, whatever, and, and, and grieve and cry and get it out. Sometimes that's enough to like give you clarity of mind that you're like, Holy shit. You know, like I, 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 I am allowed to feel the stuff that's affecting me. And now I can go forward with that. I mean, it's different. It's different for everybody, but my whole thing now is get the help if you need it help service members as much as I possibly can in whatever way I can. And I can't stress that enough. If, if there's any advice I can give ever, you know, I'm, I'm happy to hear you know, anybody hits me up. Um, hey, I'm having this kind of situation. I'm dealing with something. If I can take a phone call, I'll take a phone call. If I can take if I have time, to, if all I can do is text, I'll text. And uh, I, 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 I just want to emphasize that in spades get help if you need it and you know don't worry about the the what ifs of your 
relationships or your career, if people really, and especially relationships too, right? If people really love and care for you, they're not going to dit- they're not going to ditch you because you're struggling. So that's 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 really all I can really circle back with is just you know kind of touch base on that one one more time. You know, no matter what, get help, get help, get help, get help, and you know there are endless resources available to you, whether it's random guys like us. Or, you know, family, friends, you know, professionals, what have you. There's somebody somewhere all the time that is willing to reach out and help for any number of situations that you might be going through that you can't see a way out of. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good place to to wrap it up on. That's um it's it's what you said earlier, right? It's the the, the bouncing back, the this too shall pass kind of thing that you have to deal with where if you do go and reach out for help, whether something happens or not because of that, like it's it's not permanent. But, but losing a family member by not getting help because you can't get over your own anxiety or your own mental disorder or whatever it happens to be that's holding you back or causing you to be angry or causing you to be is a certain way with somebody like you can't get that back. And let me, let me, let me preface real quick too, before we close up, <clears throat> I'm, I'm not just saying this from a point of, you know, well, I know what I'm talking about because of, you know, whatever I'll be completely candid in 2017. I made an attempt on my own life. December 20, December 13th, 2017 at about 11 23 PM. I had my nine millimeter Glock to my temple ready to end it all right there because of the situation that I was dealing with with my ex-wife and my son and trying to see him. They live in Michigan. I was at Fort Bragg and, and, and her not letting me have him uh, for Christmas and not knowing when I was going to get him. And it just, it, I, I, it spiraled. Um, I didn't think it was affecting me as bad as it was. And then I went to a friend's house, my wife and I went to a friend's house for, uh, uh, food and drinks and, you know, and then the drinks, you know, were continuous. <laughs> um, something triggered me that night. I don't know what, I don't know when, where, why, or how, but I left their house by foot, walked home three miles in the dark and the cold and went to the bedroom got my Glock and went to the back porch and, you know, it was like that. Something, something in me that night told me to reach out to somebody first. Make a call to just pick a random number in your phone, make a random phone call. If they answer the phone, you tell them what's wrong, you tell them what you're dealing with, and let them try to talk you down if they do. If they don't, it lights out. And I randomly, <laughs> randomly called my first sergeant and he answered and he talked me down. And by, the, by about the time that he talked me down and got me to put the pistol down, my uh, wife had gotten, uh, had uh, our friends drove her home and freaking out and mad at me because he didn't know what the hell was going on until, you know, uh, my first sergeant was like, hey, put her on the phone real quick. I'll, I'll explain it to her. And then, you know, she got the pistol and removed her from the situation and all that stuff. 
but more so beyond just that, you know, beyond my own experience, um, uh, one of the two bracelets that I wear, um, you know, the, the, the KIA bracelets for lack of a better term, um, is for, uh, staff sergeant Jason Matthew Lowe. I don't know if you'll be able to read that or not, <clears throat> but he was, uh, one of my best friends when I was at Fort Bragg, he'd been over to my house dozens and dozens of times, uh, Super Bowls, fight nights, uh, the, you know, the Mayweather Pacquiao fight, poker nights, um, all of that stuff. Um, I left Fort Bragg and he was still there and went over to Germany and then they deployed and they went to Afghanistan in, uh, 2019, 2020. He got back from Afghanistan. Um, and then he took his life on, uh, August 5th. Well, to the best of our knowledge, it was August 15th, um, that he took his life. He, uh, he did follow through with a bullet to his head. Um, and nobody knows why. Nobody had any idea why he never, he never reached out to anyone. He never told anyone there was any issues. He had just gotten back from ALC. He was ready to pin on E6. Um, he was dating a girl. He had a new truck. Uh, family life was good. I know his father's, you know, they, they had a great loving relationship, buddies, Nobody knew what was wrong. Not me over in Germany, not any of the guys still there at Bragg or in our, our, my old battalion. Nobody had any idea. Um, and he was given a four-day weekend once he got back from ALC. And then Tuesday morning rolls around and he wasn't there. So one of the guys went to his house and that's where they found him. And so when I say that, you know, it, it is vitally important for you to reach out this is why this is, this is all the reason right there that I say for people to reach out and get help, make a call to somebody, you know, reach out, you know, it doesn't matter if it's somebody you served with, if it doesn't matter if it's a random stranger, you know, a, a, a licensed professional that can talk to you about this kind of stuff. If you're going through those dark, you know, self-deprecating, you know, um, harmful thoughts and ideations. Talk to somebody, please, please, please. I'm begging you to get help. And if it's me, I, I, I don't care when, where, how I'll fucking be there. And if it's not me, if it's, you know, if, it, you know, if it's, you know, John or somebody else or, you know, just, just please, I'm begging you to, you know, reach out for help. I wish, I wish Jay had reached out to somebody. I really do. It, 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 it didn't have to be me, just anybody. I wish he had told somebody what he was going through. I wish he had told somebody what he was dealing with, you know, and he had gotten help and he was still here with us because he was really, truly, honest to God, one of the good ones. And and uh I miss him and I know his family misses him and all the, all the other buddies we had at Fort Bragg and he, that he served with before that miss him. And, and, and don't, don't allow yourself to, to give a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Cause unfortunately, whatever Jay was dealing with, whatever demons he was fighting, 
they got the better of him that day and he gave a permanent solution to a temporary problem that he could have gotten help for and he could still be here with us with. And I've had ideations of permanent solutions to temporary problems myself. But when I feel that way, I am, I've demanded of myself to reach out and get the help that I need and let some come up on the block and let somebody know that I'm struggling. And I, I, I have to, not just for my family. I, I, I can't sit here and say that, well, the only reason I'm alive is because of my family. Cause if they, God forbid, if something happened to them, well, they're not here. So I guess I can just pull the trigger now. You know, I, you, you have to find reasons for yourself to keep on going, to keep moving forward. And if you need help, I will help you. And there are so many other people out there who will too. So, um, I apologize for the, hmm. yeah. <clears throat> sorry. There's, it's, um, it's funny how your perspective shifts. When I was a kid, when I was younger, I thought people who committed suicide were weak. I said it. I admit it. I said it. Like you're weak. How da- how how dare you? You 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 you're, you know you know you know. Go ahead and do it if you're going to do it. That kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Just that dumb, stupid perspective. And then you know somebody does it, and somebody else does it, and you're you know, I I. I never knew what could drive somebody to doing to you know trying to attempt to take their own life until I attempted it myself. And man, and and then after Jay, you know, I uh, I completely changed my tune. I was like, you know, Jay, mm, one of the one of the strongest, smartest, funniest, you know full of life dudes I've ever known in my entire life, you know? And, uh, if he would, you know, if, if, if he could be in a position where he thought that was the way out, it was bad. And he was bad. He had to have been battling it for a long time. And he was, there was nothing about Jay that was weak. So like that completely shifted my perspective and I know that it's not weakness to you know to do that. You just don't see a way out and you can't stand the pain anymore. So find another way out, reach out for help. And I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that. I apologize. <laughs> Nothing to apologize for, man. <sighs> yeah, it's, um, it, you know, it, I, it still feels like it was yesterday. It still feels like it was just yesterday. And it, the hurt will never go away uh, of not having, you know, not having him around and, you know, and, and, or any of the other guys that I lost in combat either. Um, but it's a different kind of hurt with somebody when somebody takes their life as opposed to, you know, dying before their time. I'm different. I'm different. It's always going to hurt no matter what. I know that. I mean, but it's just, it's just a different kind of pain, you know. With the, uh, with, with the guys that you know, the guys that I, you know I lost in combat, you know, 
the situation was completely outside of my control, you know, with mortars or with roadside bombs or this, that, and the other. Um, you know, and when my, when my father died of his heart attack outside of my control, still hurts, still painful, but drastically different kind of pain than when somebody sees that the only way to stop the pain that they're dealing with and the situation they're in is to just end it. And it, 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 I, I, I really cannot stress enough how I, I, I wish nobody would ever be in that position again, but I know they will be. But all I can say to that now is that, you know, if you're in that position, if you're in that mindset, reach out for help. And if it's to me, I promise you, I'll help you. Yeah, they, they've got to do it. You can't, you can't lead them to it. Um, you can scream at the top of your lungs and try to reach out and help people. And, and that's, that's why I'm using this platform. Not, not just the worst case scenarios, but also some of the other scenarios as well. That the same, same as you said, like if I have a voice, if I have a, um, a platform to speak on, why not use it for good and try to help people out? Honest to God, it's awesome. It really is. And I commend you for it sincerely. Like it, it it's, it, you know, it's more so than just the obvious of, trying to keep people from, you know, from, from taking their own lives. You know, you, you are, you are providing a resource and a platform for your voice and, you know, and your, 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 your knowledge and experience and your, your connection with people to help in all sorts of different facets, you know, professionally, um, you know, whether it's military or otherwise, you know, and resources and tools, you know, to use, for so many different scenarios. And I think it's seriously awesome. That's why I agreed to do the interview with you, man. Like it's, I think it's truly, truly, truly worthwhile stuff. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. It actually is the fuel that, that I need sometimes to, to get through and do the 18 hours of work and post the shit to, you know, everywhere. Yeah, I do. I, I, you know, it, Sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't do it for affirmation, right? But affirmation, but affirmation doesn't hurt either. No. Yeah. I mean, more, more so in the form of what you just said, like it's, you genuinely feel that it's something that's important. It's not self-gratifying affirmation. It's, it's affirmation of you're doing the right kind of thing here. You know what I mean? Like, as, as hard as this may be to do, it's good that you're doing it in this kind of thing. It, it, it needs to be out there. It needs to be in the ether, you know, so that, yeah, that, that's, that, that, you, you understood exactly. Yeah. You get it. <laughs> yeah. It's not about the, Hey, you've got a sexy radio voice. And like, <laughs> well, not that you don't, but. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, um, so yeah, let's, uh, again, I really, really want to be respectful of your time. I can do this shit usually four or five hours straight if I really needed to, but, um, I want to be respectful of your time, of your wife's time, your kid's time, make sure you got time to spend with them if it's past dinner or not past dinner yet. Um, but I did want to find out if people do want to reach out to you, 
um, where would you point them to like what social media or whatever? Don't give me your email address or your phone number. Cause I don't want people to like, I'm on TikTok. Um, that's probably, um, that's probably the, one of the easiest ways to find me. Um, my, my name on TikTok is Brandon Fett underscore the data, uh, Brandon Fett one nine underscore the data Lorian. Cause you know, because <laughs> my name it really is Brandon and I'm a massive fan of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian so kind of the name if you can't figure out why the name you, you're not you're not doing you're not doing, you're not doing your research <laughs> um but uh also on Instagram uh I'm on Facebook my name you know, my name on Facebook is just Brandon Alborg A-L-B-O-R-G um you know that's my actual last name um and yeah, you know, and uh, if if you, whether it's you know via TikTok or Instagram, um, Instagram by the way is uh, also Brandon Fett one nine. Um, uh, Facebook is the only one that actually has my you know it's actually my real name. Um, so if you if you you know want to see what I'm about, not that I'm asking for followers or likes or any of that other stuff. If you want to see what I'm about before you contact me and, 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 you know, whether it be for advice or for help or for, you know, anything, by all means, you can see, you know, the, the, the more exaggerated side of myself on TikTok with the comedy and such. Um, but also, you know, what I really truly do feel about, you know, like what it means to be a service member, what it means to, to commit yourself to something bigger than yourself and, and, and to, be there for other people now that I'm out and I have this perspective of life in the military, life after the military, because there is in fact life after army, life after air force, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, you know, it, it's, it's hard for some of us to see that, but there is. Um, and so if you want to see what I'm about before you reach out to me, or even if you know, you don't, and you just you know wonder if you got going through an issue, and you, you know, after seeing this interview with John, and you you feel like you know I'm somebody that you know you might want to go to for advice for help by all means, um, I won't turn down won't turn down any kind of uh, any kind of um, um, you know exchanges or back and forths um, anytime day or night if I'm available. I will preface that when I'm at work, my phone is off. That's a requirement for the railroad. Uh, so if you call or you text and I don't answer, it's probably because I'm at work, but I've said this to other people too. If you leave me a message and you leave me a name or number, email, whatever to get you back to you at, I assure you, I give you my word. I will. Sounds good, man. I really, really, really appreciate your time. Uh, also say thank you to your wife and your family for me, for allowing you to give me this time. Uh, I know it's a big time commitment, but I, I think we had a really good discussion. I enjoyed it. I, I got a lot out of it. Honest to God, man. And like I said, you know, it's, it's, it's something I couldn't have done before, but I, I'm, I'm very happy to be able to do now. And so if it, if it, if, if, if it helps one person mission fulfilled. So I thank you for the opportunity, sir. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate you reaching back out and getting back in touch with me and uh, doing this with me, man. So, for everybody out there in the interworlds, uh, we will have links to all the things that we discussed within the show. We'll have links to Brandon's socials, and there will be timestamps in the bottom. I should say that in the beginning, but I always forget. 
there'll be timestamps if you want to jump around and I'm sure there'll be some little content snippets here and there from me and Brandon both uh, for you to check out on the interwebs. So until next time, I uh, appreciate everybody sticking with us to the end and thank you very much and we'll see you all later. Take it easy. Thank you, John.